welcome to the Catholic Connect podcast. I'm your host, David Scubin. This is a podcast for all Catholics and people of goodwill who strive to live in the world, but not be of the world. First and foremost, we need to be disciples of Jesus ourselves. And then we go forth and make disciples of all nations, just as our Lord commanded. Through a series of timely topics and great guests, we will take that long and narrow journey to heaven together, encouraging each other in faith and virtue along the way. So let's get started. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Welcome to this episode of the Catholic Connect Podcast. So blessed to have you join me. And just like our little catchphrase is for this podcast, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Quote, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. End quote. The words from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from John chapter 16. Well, what a time it is to be a Catholic. It is a great time to be a Catholic. This is not a time to feel like you fit in with the ways of our world. Uh, it's like the old uh, saying, just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. It seems there's a snare or a massive pothole awaiting for our society around each and every bend. And the most painful thing for me to see is the shocking betrayal of our fellow baptized Catholics giving way to the foolishness of this perishing world. You know, the fires of confusion burn amongst our members and the sorely needed influence of Catholicism is being lost in a world where we're too quick to give legitimacy to failing fads and convenient social justice slogans created by the deepest and the darkest enemies of Christendom. That's not just here in Canada, that's in the United States as well. We're seeing it in Europe. But my friends, take courage and have hope in the cross of Jesus Christ. He paid a price he never owed, and thus the ultimate victory was won at no small price. It was the cancellation of a bill you could never afford to pay on your own. Quote, the Spirit himself joins with our spirit to bear witness that we are children of God, and if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, provided that we share his suffering, so as to share his glory. And that passage is taken from chapter 8 of St. Paul's letter to the Romans. So let's talk about statements, big statements in the Catholic Church and the sacramentals that help us. They're a part of the daily walk of faith, and we need to know that some of the strongest statements that our Catholic Church stands behind and what they mean for its members as well as the sacramentals that help us in the journey and our outward signs, very powerful outward signs of being a baptized Catholic. You know, statements are made in sports and sometimes the legend is bigger than the factual event. When someone calls their shot, for example, in sports, we instantly think of Babe Ruth, uh, who way back in the day allegedly pointed to right field during a game in the 1932 World Series before hitting a towering home run at the famous Wrigley Field in Chicago. Now, to this day, the real story of the legitimacy of the gesture is still in question, but that alleged gesture is perhaps the greatest legacy of the Bambino. Football fans, how about back in 1967 when Joe Namath made the famous poolside guarantee of a Super Bowl victory for his New York Jets over the heavily favored Baltimore Colts? 
or hockey fans here in Canada, the Moose, Mark Messier, guaranteeing his New York Rangers would win an elimination game in Game 6 against the New Jersey Devils in the 1994 Stanley Cup playoffs. And he ended up really putting his money where his mouth was. He ended up scoring a hat-trick in that game, and they eventually won the game, that series, and the Stanley Cup that year. But unfortunately, in sports, these guaranteed victories started to become such a regular statement by pro athletes that to the point where there's hardly anyone that pays attention to him because so many guarantees fall flat on their face. That's why statements and guarantees should be carefully made when they are made public. You need to make sure you can back them up. And the Catholic Church is full of big statements that challenge Catholics around the world to live up to these huge and lofty expectations. Now, I picked up the Dedicate Bible from Ignatius Press uh, several years ago, and I take all my readings from this Bible because it includes references to the catechism in the footnotes. And uh, so I'm going to read this passage from page 1662 on sacramentals. Again, it's kind of an insert in the Bible. It helps with apologetic statements, and I really appreciate this. So it's really three weapons that we can use in our daily spiritual lives right off the hop, and that is Holy Scripture, the catechism of the Catholic Church, and praying the rosary each and every day. So here's an apologetic explanation of sacramentals. Sacramentals are a sacred science of instituted by the church that prepare us to receive grace. They are not sacraments in themselves, but resemble the sacraments insofar as they increase our holiness and draw their power from the same source, which is the passion, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. The church institutes sacramentals as sacred signs that help dispose us to receive grace, especially from the sacraments. They provide means by which ministries of the church, particular states of life, and situations in Christian life are made holy. Whereas the sacraments are channels of grace by their celebration, sacramentals do not give grace, but rather prepare us to cooperate with grace. All sacramentals receive their power from the same source as the sacraments, the passion, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Primary among sacramentals are blessings. When we make the sign of the cross, when we pray before and after meals, or when we bless objects or persons with holy water, we are using sacramentals. Some blessings consecrate persons to the service of God, as in religious professions or the blessing for certain lay ministers, whereas others dedicate objects, buildings, and other material things to the service of God. While some blessings can only be performed by a bishop, priest, or deacon, there are many blessings that any of the faithful can give because of his or her status as a member of the common priesthood of the faithful. In addition to blessings, sacramentals include churches, sacred vessels, statues and icons, rosaries, scapulars, crucifixes, and other sacred and devotional goods. Let's take a little snapshot, a little skim at some of the sacramentals. And the first one that I want to talk about is making the sign of the cross. Just making the sign of the cross itself is actually a sacramental. And make it in public, and even though the sign of the cross is a gesture that anybody can make, it is a most powerful statement that you are a son or daughter of the creator of the universe. The sign of the cross, again, it's a sacramental itself, so that's why we got to do it often. And we receive grace every time that we cross ourselves with faith, love, and reverence. St. Augustine says this, quote, Let me not have a bare forehead. Let the cross of my Lord cover it, end quote. 
Now, the sign of the cross was used as far back as the first and second century as an outward sign of solidarity and unity between persecuted Catholics. Here's what St. Jean Vianney says about the humble act of making the sign of the cross. Quote, before beginning your work, my dear brethren, never fail to make the sign of the cross. Offer quite simply all your difficulties to God and renew from time to time this offering. For by that means you will have the happiness of drawing down the blessing of heaven on yourself and on all that you do. Just think, my dear brethren, how many acts of virtue you can practice by behaving in this way, without making any change in what you are actually doing. If you work with the object of pleasing God and obeying his commandments, which order you to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow, this is an act of obedience. If you want to expiate your sins, you are making an act of penance. If you want to obtain some grace for yourself or for others, it is an act of hope and of charity. Oh, how we could merit heaven every day, my dear brethren, by doing just our ordinary duties, but by doing them for God and the salvation of souls, end quote. Now, St. Jean Vianney also says that the devil is very cunning, but he is not strong. And making the sign of the cross puts the devil to flight. And uh, if anybody could tell us about combating the diabolical, it'd be St. Jean Vianney. He combated the devil almost every day of his priestly vocation, uh, right from the time he became a priest and even before. But especially while he was a priest in the, the small town, the village of ours, right to the time of his death, he encountered the diabolical in a very, very, well, very jarring and scary way someone like myself looking from the outside but again when it comes to to spiritual warfare you know we always talk about the demonic and people that may be possessed or oppressed but you know even the act of exorcism and the and acts of spiritual warfare it's really jesus-centered it's christ-centered it's not de demon-centered and any obstacles or challenges that are put in our way god always gives us the grace his grace is sufficient to get us through these times of trial. And again, St. Jean Vianney is a great example of that. So start your day every day by making the sign of the cross and end your day with the sign of the cross as well. You know, even with work, my, my job, again, I work a very secular job and uh, I make the sign of the cross often. You know, anytime that I'm about to, to send a proposal through to one of my customers or I have an important phone conversation that I need to cover, I always start it, end it with a small prayer, always with the sign of the cross. And, you know, being open about your faith in public, uh, it's getting more and more important every day. There's just not enough of us, guys. There's not enough good Catholic men and women out there that people can look out to as a beacon of light in a real hurting world. You know, there's a, a couple instances where my kids and I would, were about to, uh, to eat a meal. We make the sign of the cross and offer a blessing over our food. I encourage you to do that every day, even in your own home. But also if you're out and about and, uh, and eating out, it's a great example. It's a great way to evangelize. You know, I remember one instance at a, at a hotel, we had a, uh, a young lady came up to us and saw that uh, myself and a couple of my kids, we made the sign of the cross before we ate a meal. And, and she came up to us and she thanked us and she started talking about her faith and where she went to church or her parish. And she was so friendly and outgoing and she... Um, it was such a neat connection that we would have never made had we not made the sign of the cross. There's another instance just uh, a couple months ago where my daughter and I went out for a, a daddy and daughter uh, date and uh, <laughs> we went and had lunch 
at, uh, at a restaurant and again made the sign of the cross and one of the gentlemen that worked at the restaurant came up to us and, and he, he said thank you for, for an outward witness to do the sign of the cross. He said, I know you're Catholics and I said, he said absolutely we are and we had a, a great conversation about faith and uh, the kinship between the baptized, between other Catholics. Uh, it's beautiful and the connection uh, of our faith it unifies all of us regardless of where we're from the color of our skin um you know our ethnicity it doesn't matter those are those are worldly problems my friends those are worldly distractions and issues that uh they don't mean anything in the world of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God and uh yeah it was such a great moment and and but do it often and those are only the couple times that someone actually came up to us and talked about it but uh, I know that um, I've seen other people, strangers, do the sign of the cross in public. And I'll look up and there's a feeling of peace that comes over me because I know that they're making an outward statement, a big statement of, you know, who belongs, who their heart belongs to. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And that's beautiful. And I love seeing that. And I want to see more of that. And I hope that you choose to do the same thing. Don't be afraid. Our Lord has paid uh, a great price with his sacrifice on the cross for us. And the least we can do is tell the world around that we do believe in that. And that legacy of faith that we're going to keep for ourselves, pass along to our children, we're going to share that with the entire world. You know, we had uh, Gerald Montpetit from uh, Cat Chat recently on one of our podcasts. Uh, I invite you to double back and listen to that when you have a few moments. It was a great chat with Gerald, such a great example and witness of our Catholic faith. But we talked about being watched by our families, especially as gentlemen. We're being watched by our wives, you know, our children, fellow parishioners, our co-workers, teammates. The whole world knows the statements that our Lord Jesus Christ has made, and they know all about his bride, the church. But, you know, when we make the sign of the cross, we want to make sure that we're doing it in a holy and reverent way. You know, the world needs to see authenticity from Catholics. So let's work on that. This brings us to the crucifix or the cross itself. And here's another very powerful sign of Catholicism. You know, if you wear a cross around your neck, a lot of people say, hey, you know, that person's probably a, you know, a believer in Christ, and that's great. But, man, you wear a crucifix. You wear a crucifix around your neck with Jesus Christ there hanging on that crucifix. And instantly people identify you as a member of the universal church. What a statement that is. And as with any sacramental, remember that wearing a crucifix should be done with sincere piety and love for Jesus and not as an accessory. You know, we've seen this with uh, countless celebrities and athletes wearing them as a piece of jewelry that award shows or post game. And I think it's fair to say that some people wear them as a type of a superstition or a good luck charm. And of course, that's not a part of our faith, not a part of the Catholic Church wearing a cross or any sacramental for any other reason other than piety and uh, devotion. Uh, that's all that's accepted. So uh, when we wear um especially a crucifix. Let's make sure that we have that relationship with Christ and wear it with reverence. So why the crucifix instead of just an empty cross? Well, I know this is a question that some Protestants ask, and that's a question we appreciate as Catholics for sure. But we can't separate the risen Lord from the cross itself and the passion and crucifixion by which he endured to atone for our sins. There can't be that Easter Sunday without a good Friday. And that's the message we all have to hear because without the cross, in our own lives, we will never enter his glory. And Jesus Christ on the cross reminds us of that. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 through 24. 
Here's what St. Paul has to say. Quote, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. End quote. So building on this scripture passage, let's turn to the Catechism of the Catholic Church reference 653. It said, The truth of Jesus' divinity is confirmed by his resurrection. He had said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. The resurrection of the crucified one shows that he was truly I am, the Son of God and God himself. You know, on a personal note for me, the, the bare cross doesn't have the same meaning without Christ on it. You know, lots of people died by crucifixion on the cross around the time of Jesus, but it truly was Jesus himself who makes the cross the universal sign of salvation today, and he needs to be on it. So I encourage you to go to your parish gift shop or another Catholic bookstore, uh, purchase a crucifix and make the veneration of it a part of your everyday life. A pious tradition of the church is for couples to get married in the church and to say their vows holding a crucifix as a sign of Christ's endless, abounding, and all-sacrificial love for his bride, the Catholic Church. It is an example of how a husband and wife join in sacrificial love for their children, and through dying to themselves, they give life to the other. To attain eternal salvation together and through their love, good fruit is produced not only in virtue, but also through children. Another amazing and beautiful statement in the world, having large families. And this, my friends, is how we share with the world why marriage between a man and a woman is timeless and holy and is the love of Jesus Christ for all mankind and of which all good fruit and all good things flow from his bride, the Catholic Church. And it's why the marriage bond is something that no man can ever break and only death will part. A sacramental and fruitful union can never come from two women marrying each other or two men marrying each other or from a divorce and a remarriage. As the great Archbishop, Venerable Archbishop Sheen said, it takes three to get married, the man, the woman, and Jesus Christ. Now my wife and I have a crucifix, our crucifix that we held on the day we exchanged our vows, and we hung it up in the main hallway just outside of our bedroom, and every time I go by it, I always kiss Jesus on that cross. Several times per day, it's definitely a good holy habit and sometimes even our children kiss it too which is which is really beautiful i think it reminds me of the ultimate sacrifice that jesus made and how he calls me every day to die to myself and the desires of my, my own desires for the sake of my wife and for my children so gentlemen i encourage you to do the same thing in your home bring a crucifix and hang it up somewhere uh, there's so many beautiful ones that we can we can purchase and we can hang and put them in a place of honor. And we can venerate that cross every day to remember and be grateful for that great sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Let's continue with scripture. And we need to make sure we are feeding our souls with the word of God on an everyday basis. And I continue to want to make sure that that's a focus of, of our podcast and some of the things that I, uh, that I say on this program. Ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ, as St. Jerome famously said. Quote, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. 
I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will proclaim your name for it is good in the presence of the godly from Psalm 52. You know, it really is thanking God for all that he has done for us and most importantly, recognizing the sacrifice on the cross as the greatest gift of them all. And that was that sacrifice on Calvary. And of course, we can't go too far into talking about the crucifix and sacramentals of the church without talking about the rosary. All right, so the topic of the rosary and the Blessed Virgin Mary can be a series of several episodes, so we'll skim the surface of this particular sacramental. But first and foremost, there is a crucifix, or at least there should be, on every rosary. And if you pray the rosary every day, which you should, be sure to cross yourself with the rosary in your hand and the crucifix between your finger at the beginning and end of the rosary. And what I also do is cross myself and kiss the crucifix at the conclusion every time you say the glory be. So you'll say that five times during the rosary if you do the five decades. It really helps me to get into the holy habit of crossing myself often and venerating Jesus on the cross. When someone in the world mentions Catholic sacramentals or devotions, almost everyone refers to the rosary. You know, they point to that as a very pious Catholic tradition, and, and rightfully so. The rosary has its origins all the way back to the 12th century, and uh, many people credit St. Dominic, the founder of the Order of Preachers, the Dominicans, as being one of the first to really spread the devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary through the rosary. Now, it's a meditative prayer calling to mind the major events in the life of Christ, and of course, his passion, death, and resurrection. And where the devotion to the rosary really started gaining steam was back in 1571 when uh, Pope Pius V, who's uh, made some appearances with his infamous quote on our podcast here, uh, he's the one who infamously said, quote, all the evils of the world are due to lukewarm Catholics, end quote. Uh, and some things have not changed very much in the last several hundred years. Well, the other thing he's noted for is his devotion to the rosary. You know, back in 1571, Pope Pius V helped organize a naval fleet to resist the invasion of the Turks, and they were, they were Muslims. The Holy Father asked all Catholics in the world to recite the rosary and implore the protection of the Blessed Virgin Mary under the title Our Lady of Victory. So even though these, uh, these very brave Catholic men who were going out into this battle of the sea, uh, you know, defeat seemed uh, imminent. They were vastly outnumbered by this uh, Muslim fleet, but they soundly defeated this group at the Battle of Lepanto. And in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary's intercession, Pope St. Pius V established the Feast of the Holy Rosary on October 7th. And uh, this year we're going to celebrate 450 years, which is uh, outstanding. So let's move forward to something that happened a little more recently. And I want to talk about the, uh, the Marian apparition of... Uh, Our Lady of Fatima. This is back in 1917. And in the Catholic Church, in case you don't know, there are approved uh, visions and apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is something that's not a requirement to be a Catholic, uh, but it's uh, it's passed along as something because it's, it's very thoroughly investigated. The Church does not make um, you know, willy-nilly decisions in saying that uh, something is, is real, something is supernatural. Um, there, there's a lot of false apparitions and we have to be very careful that we uh, discern these types of, um, events through the eyes of the church because the church loves us. That's why they investigate. They don't want us to be led astray. 
by uh, by something that's nefarious or or that's um, you know the the concoction I guess of of a person's imagination. But uh, Our Lady of Fatima, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to, to three children, and I do choose to believe this. The Catholic Church has given the stamp of approval to say that this is something that uh, uh, for the faithful to believe in uh, and to, to discern. But there's uh, plenty of evidence to suggest that this is a legitimate apparition. And uh, personally, I do choose to to take the words of uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary and what she said to heart. And I think it's important that we pay attention because a lot of the things that she said turned out to be 100% true. So three poor shepherd children saw the Blessed Virgin Mary in a little town in Portugal called uh, Fatima. And uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary in the messages stressed how important it was to pray the rosary for peace each and every day and to make reparation against the sins that wound her immaculate heart. So we have to pay real close attention here because the apparition happened near the end of World War I and the Blessed Virgin Mary predicted that the war would end soon, and it did, but another worse war would happen if people did not stop offending God. Now, of course, we know now that indeed there was a worse war than what they called World War I at the time was the Great War, and it occurred only about 20 years later with World War II. Now, another thing that Mary asked for was for the consecration of Russia, specifically Russia, and that it would be consecrated to her Immaculate Heart. Quote, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated. In the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me, and she shall be converted, and a period of peace will be granted to the world. So this will be the topic of a future podcast for sure, but the, the consecration of Russia and the ideas of Russia are profoundly that of communism, Marxism, and atheism, especially back in that time. Now, there's no question to me that Russia has turned a bit of a corner here. By no means are they perfect, but the one sort of striking part of that quote is that it would spread Russia would spread its errors throughout the world and I just keep thinking of China I keep thinking of China and what the Chinese Communist Party has done not only to their own people but also to the rest of the world and yes COVID-19 has a lot to do with that and uh, there's there's so many other things a persecution of our other brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church um, in itself is uh, egregious enough, but we also see some very serious allegations going around about the plight of certain Muslim minorities in China, and uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. These, The Chinese Communist Party is communism, Marxism, atheism, and we have many sympathizers in North America. I am encouraged that in certain parts of the United States and amongst the government, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, because this goes beyond political borders <laughs> and different political parties and, and philosophies. This is a, a threat to freedom, and uh, we need to, to get in front of this as quickly as we can. It might be too late already, to be honest with you, but we need to be aware of the Chinese Communist Party and what is happening with our world. These guys are coming up of this COVID-19 thing like bandits. They're making tons of money, and their influence throughout the world is becoming uh, more and more, even through social media. Uh, we know that they've got certain digital access and access to data that we would not, under normal circumstances, want them to have, but they have it through 
digital platforms like TikTok and others too. So uh, we need to be wary of these guys. Uh, they are no friends of the Catholic Church. They are no friends of freedom and Western civilization. And we need to speak out and be very critical of anybody who uh, is a sympathizer with these tyrants, period. The other thing that Our Lady said to the children of Fatima, and paid really close attention to this because it has to do with our spiritual lives, quote, pray, pray a great deal and make sacrifices for sinners. For many souls go to hell because they have no one to sacrifice and pray for them, end quote. Now, this is back in 1917, and I'm sure you're asking yourself, like I do, and I did, what exactly was happening back then that is worse than today? You know, this is before TV and the internet. Of course, so many addictions now, pornography being the greatest, I think, of all. But you know what that thing about history, you know, the thing that the far left is trying to erase and reveals that the smoke of Satan was gathering way back then, and oh, how we've seen a rapid decline in holiness in our church you know, part of the sacramental life is heeding the words of Our Lady and being the soul that says yes to God and offers prayers and sacrifices. You know, back then there weren't enough people on the team doing this. There weren't enough people on Team Jesus praying and offering sacrifices. And where were people going? They were going to hell. And today, you know, they're going to know our church by our fruits. And the fruits just aren't there, everyone. The proof is there. The scoreboard says it. Our church is in is in some a real serious crisis right now. So pray the rosary every day in reparation for sins that offend Jesus and Mary. And live a life of penance. You know, start with the ancient traditions of the church, like abstaining from meat on all Fridays throughout the year, not just during Lent. Here's something I'm going to try to do. I'm going to give up beer for one month this summer. I don't really drink a lot of beer, especially in the winter months. Uh, up here in Canada, as you know, it gets pretty cold in Alberta. I don't really like having a cold beer you know, on a January day, so it's not as much of a sacrifice for me. But in June, July, August, when the weather is nice and uh, you know we get those plus 30 Celsius days, oh, a cold beer feels really good. It's nice to, uh, nice to sip and nice to drink back. But you know what? Uh, that's something very small. It may seem small in the grand scheme of things, but it is a sacrifice. Also, another thing is if you like cream in your coffee, for example, maybe just drink it black instead for a month. Or if you like having those two sugars at Tim Hortons, that two sugar and two cream, maybe drink it black or just take the sugar out. It's small. It doesn't seem like a lot, but I'm telling you, even those small sacrifices, they teach us discipline so that we can start working our way into something greater, something better, something uh, something more for the Blessed Virgin Mary and for the conversion of many poor sinners on earth. And as we learned from our previous episode with uh, our friend Ken Litchfield, the early church fathers called the Catholic Church universal right off the bat, right at the very beginning, not very long after Jesus' ascension into heaven. And what an awesome quote by St. Augustine. Quote, the church is called Catholic by all our enemies, as well as our own children. Heretics and schismatics can call the church by no other name than Catholic, or they would not be understood unless they use the name by which the church is known to the whole world, end quote. And, you know, speaking of big statements and sacramentals, we can't go too much further without talking about a sacramental called holy water, another one that's very um, synonymous with the Catholic Church. And from a theological perspective, holy water is supposed to remind us of our baptism. And that's why having holy water and a font at the entrance of your parish is so important. 
you know, even St. Charles Borromeo in the time of the plague in Milan, he made sure that all churches had access to holy water. All the parishes had it. If anyone was feeling sick, they simply used a separate water font. But St. Charles, now he didn't take holy water away from the faithful. You just make it work. Make some adjustments, make it work. And I'm sorry, but it's hard to envision any type of scenario where COVID-19 or any virus would be passed through holy water. Same as being transmitted through the distribution of the Holy Eucharist. Again, I stand corrected if someone wants to give me some facts that this has happened before, but I have never, ever seen any evidence or any stories saying that any type of virus or flu or any kind of sickness was transmitted through the reception of the Holy Eucharist. Hasn't happened. I doubt you'll ever find anything. And again, the power of the sacraments, the power of the Eucharist and of Jesus Christ right there. Now, here's a fun fact about baptism is that most Catholics, just like myself, don't remember a thing about their baptism. As Catholics believe since the time of the apostles that infant baptism is of vital importance. So the decision that was made was made on our, on our behalf by our parents and godparents. Now, in those vows, holy water brings us to the date of our baptism and the decision to be buried with Christ in the waters of baptism so that we can walk with him in the newness of life. So our parents, godparents, our witnesses that were at the, the parish at the time, they made a powerful statement on our behalf. They renounced sin, rejected the lure of evil, and rejected the prince of darkness, Satan. And it's a minor exorcism, baptism. Then the priest asked the baptized to publicly profess their faith in the creed. How beautiful and powerful is that? And parents and godparents, remember the vows you made on behalf of that infant. You made that promise before God and you will be accountable at the end of your life as to the degree you supported and prayed for the baptized and how you lived up to your own vows. Take this seriously. Remember that statement you made in front of people. And remember every time you recite the creed when you attend Sunday Mass and every time you pray the rosary, you lead off with the creed. Renounce the works of Satan and don't be afraid to verbally renounce a specific sin. It's not something you have to do. This is something I do, just, just sharing a personal story with you. But whenever I go to confession to the priest, I always call the sins out by name at the end. And I say that I renounce them in the name of Jesus Christ. And I find it's very powerful when I do that. And it's really helped me in my spiritual walk. Using holy water around your house and keeping it on your person is a very powerful and another big statement of your faith. As the head of your home, fellas, uh, you're the father. You have responsibilities to bless your wife and your children with holy water. Every month or so, I go throughout our house and I sprinkle holy water and uh, even throughout the property as well. And uh, the another ancient practice and pious tradition of the Catholic Church is to invite your parish priest over at least once every year to bless your home. It's an invitation to God to dwell in your home and to have the Holy Spirit present in a very special way. And this is a sacramental to have holy water and it's very special when a priest does it. You know, our homes are to be domestic churches and a place not only for safety and shelter for ourselves and our children, but it's a place where they're going to learn to be catechized and learn the Catholic faith so that one day they pass it along to their own children. That is the legacy of faith, my friends. Here's what St. Teresa of Avila had to say about holy water. Quote, from long experience, I've learned that there's nothing like holy water to put devils to flight and prevent them from coming back again. They also flee from the cross, but return. So holy water must have great value. For my own part, whenever I take it, my soul feels a particular and most notable consolation. 
In fact, it is quite usual for me to be conscious of a refreshment which I cannot possibly describe, resembling an inward joy which comforts my whole soul. This is not fancy or something that has happened to me only once. It has happened again and again, and I have observed it most attentively. It is, let us say, as if someone very hot and thirsty were to drink from a jug of cold water. He would feel refreshment throughout his body. I often reflect on the great importance of everything ordained by the church, and it makes me very happy to find that those words of the church are so powerful that they impart their power to the water and make it so very different from water which has not been blessed. One night too, about this time, I thought the devils were stifling me, and when the nuns had sprinkled a great deal of holy water about, I saw a huge crowd of them running away as quickly as though they were about to fling themselves down a steep place. I will only describe something that happened to me one night of all souls when I was in the oratory. I said it at one nocturne and was repeating some very devotional prayers which follow it. They are extremely devotional. We have them in our office book. When actually the devil himself alighted on the book to prevent me from finishing the prayer. I made the sign of the cross and it went away. I then began again and he came back. I think I began the prayer three times and not until I had sprinkled some holy water on him could I finish it. At the same moment I saw several souls come out of purgatory. Their time there must have been nearly up and I thought that perhaps the devil was trying to impede their deliverance. End quote. Great little reflection there from St. Teresa of Avila who again encountered the diabolical and uh, as most powerful and, and amazing saints uh, are superstars of our church. They came through with fly, flying colors by using the sacramentals, the sign of the cross and holy water. So the main ways holy water assists us, uh, one of the main ways, one of the main ways that holy water assists us, as we see with this story of St. Teresa of Avila, is in protection against the devil and the evil spirits. St. Paul says the devil prowls about the world like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's also a time to use it against potential weather events or calamities. You know, sprinkle some holy water around your house, bless yourself, your family, when there's some violent weather out there, thunderstorms. It's a great idea. Holy water helps aid in opening our souls for the grace we need to live the devout life. It invites the Holy Spirit to prepare our hearts and souls for our next encounter with Jesus in confession and in the Eucharist. Quote from St. Thomas Aquinas. By the sprinkling of holy water, the debt of venial sin is wiped out. But not always, however, are all temporal punishments relinquished. This takes place in proportion to the disposition of the person using it depending on the less or greater degree of ardor and the love for God on the part of the person using it, end quote. So St. Thomas Aquinas is saying this is a very powerful sacramental for us. If we're living in a state of grace, if we're free from mortal sin, that even just the sprinkling of holy water on ourselves can actually wipe out venial sin, but only, only if it takes into consideration, God takes into consideration the consideration the disposition but God takes into consideration the disposition of the person that uses it so we still you can't live a debaucherous and evil life you've got to be a holy soul yourself having that inner desire to grow in holiness and to be a son or daughter of Jesus Christ and uh, boy look at the power in something as simple as sprinkling holy water making the sign of the cross these are all beautiful and amazing gifts that the church has given to us 
Pope Pius IX renewed a partial indulgence for Catholics who make the sign of the cross with holy water. So do them both. We must say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you must have contrition for your sins and be in a state of grace. Indeed, do you see why living a life in a state of grace needs to be an ongoing daily goal in our spiritual lives? Always be in that state of grace, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode on sacramentals. Again, we just skimmed through these things, and uh, it's such a challenging time in the world. I wanted to make sure that you knew at least a few of them. And if you've been away from the church for a while, I encourage you to come back. Come to confession. Confess your sins to a priest. Receive the Eucharist worthily. Ask for some holy water. Ask for a rosary. Priests always have these things around. I'm going to talk to you about scapular someday as well. I've worn a scapular every day of my life since I was a teenager. And I have a, actually a real beautiful and amazing story. I'd be glad to share with you even before I do the episode on the scapula. Just uh, send me a message. I'd be happy to, uh, to type it out or even talk to you over the phone about it. No problem at all. Don't pray for the opportunities to, to be a, an example and evangelize. Pray for the grace to recognize the opportunities because there are so many of them every day. And if you do an examination of conscience at the end of your day, which you're supposed to be doing, you're going to realize that, oh boy, there's a lot of sins of omission that I have committed today. Some are probably a lot larger than you think, and some of them are small, but they all accumulate. So let's just pray for the grace to recognize them because God, he is sending us out into this vineyard and there is so much work to be done, everyone. And it's time to be bold and make a statement for our faith, for our families, and for our God, Jesus Christ, the greatest sacrifice ever on the cross so that we can live with him forever. And you know, the great thing about the Catholic Church is that the Catholic Church doesn't leave you where you're at. You know, I'm coaching some baseball. I've done it for many years. The worst thing that I could do for a kid that I'm coaching is if their form is off in some way, if they've got their mechanics that are a little bit wonky when they're pitching or if they have their footwork a little bit off when they're making a throw or if their bat's in the improper position when they're up to bat. I'd be the worst coach ever if I didn't say anything, but I'm never going to leave these kids where they're at. I'm going to tell them how to do it the proper way so that they can be successful and they can be champions. That's what I want from them in a baseball field. It's no different in the Catholic church. When we're talking about the spiritual life, when we see people living a life of sin, we do this with charity and with love and encouragement, but we point out the errors. And I know that's something that I've got to work on a little bit more is pointing out the errors, having the courage to do that. I know we all have sins in our own lives, but folks right now, we've got to be that example and step up for the what's right and what's true. We're just coming out of a month here that celebrates a vice. And uh, there's no place for that in the Catholic Church, and there's no place for any support from one of our members. Because really what we need to do is we need to acknowledge that humility, the very opposite of pride, is what we need to focus on what we need to not celebrate, but what we need to be grateful for and what we need to aspire to. And that is the most sacred heart of Jesus. So let's be an example of humility and of love to this hurting world. Because you know what? Inevitably the window and the glass is going to break. And just like throughout history, the Catholic Church has got to clean up the mess. So let's be ready for that moment. It's coming pretty soon, I think. So Let's be in a state of grace, my friends. And then if you're not a Catholic, I'm telling you, being a Catholic is the greatest, the greatest thing in the whole world. We are a church of the imperfect, not the perfect, but the greatest people that have ever lived are our saints. 
and we know that the mountain, the mountain that may seem impossible to ever climb and to ever achieve, it's achievable as long as you're walking in friendship with Christ. And the mode of transportation that you use to climb that mountain is the Catholic Church. It's here for you, and I'm here to answer any questions that you have or at least point you in the right direction because I want you to live the fullness of the Christian faith. And the summit and the source of our faith is the Eucharist. A reminder, everyone, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on uh, many social media platforms. Follow, subscribe, like as you see fit. And, of course, we're, our podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and anywhere you find your fine podcasts. Reach out to me anytime. I always love hearing from you. And again, a reminder, Catholics, we know what we got to do. We got to live a state of grace at all times. Go to confession at least three times every year, every Advent, every Lent, and anytime you're in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. God bless everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll chat with you very soon.